This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at lifemd.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Duval, it's been a minute. We didn't chat with y'all last week, but we have got a heater today. Cam Robinson received the franchise tag. We had some insane movement around the league today. Quarterback trade. We're going to dive into it right now. We've got the 2022 NFL draft class as well that blew up the combine over the weekend. We'll dive into all the news. We will answer a bunch of questions we received on our Twitter thread yesterday about the combine and free agency. And we're just going to have a good time, aren't we, Jeremy? Yeah, man. Just sitting back, chilling, talking football. A lot went down today, man. A lot went down today. I hate, I hate they do that. During the workday, you know, which I know is really selfish and it makes the most sense, but I think they should take all of their free agency stuff, all of the news, everything, and they've, they've got to save it from like that 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. news cycle. And nothing's allowed to happen outside of those hours. For us that work during the day, <laughs> could you imagine the multitasking that was going on in the office? I know, for real. And I, I, I'm a fan of things happening during the day because – you know, that's when I'm fo- most focused on the Jaguars. Whereas like most people that aren't doing this throughout the day, like you and most of the other Jaguars fans out there. Yeah. I can understand how you feel for sure. It's either smack dab in the middle of the day or, or in the middle of your sleep. Like they, they yes. can't, <laughs> they can't find a happy medium here. They sure can't, but um, who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw this Amy Palchich, the Jaguars director of PR, She's accepted another job with Amazon. So they're going to have some change-ups and how that stuff is disseminated and dispersed. So that'll that bothers you at all? I, I didn't no. hear that, but that kind of just, I don't know, it feels, she was very no, highly I mean, regarded, came from a, a, a high position with, with Houston, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Just seems I like just couldn't awkward. imagine dealing with what she dealt with last year and wanting to stay here. That was her first year in Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, right? Was that such a bad experience that it knocked her out of the NFL altogether? Or she's just like, hey, man, the Jaguars are a burning ship and I'm jumping off. I mean, I don't think I don't think that that's the case. I think she probably got an opportunity to do something different. 
in a different work environment. I mean, the NFL is about as high pressure as it gets. I'm sure Amazon is still going to be high pressure, but um, I'm sure you're obviously 1000% right. I probably had nothing to do with it, but when you sit here and look at these things day in and day out, you tend to overanalyze. Yeah. So she's joining Amazon sports PR team, whatever that means. Um, I'm not sure what they do, but I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to be good for her to get out of yeah. what she just dealt with for the last year. Um, for they're, sure. They're getting their foot in the NFL pretty heavily. Amazon is. So I would have to assume that they're going to have some sort of large PR department for NFL type things. They've got Thursday night football coming up this year exclusively. I think is it exclusive mm-hmm. or is it on FO network also? I think it is going to be exclusive. So. Exclusive. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's huge. It's a huge shift. And not only football, but the National Football League and the way games are, are televised. So yeah, I know TV and internet is big pressure too. But yeah, and you've got you've got Apple getting into the MLB game, which I know is not NFL related or Jaguars related, but I mean these content companies, these these media companies, these multi-faceted companies, they're all trying to get their you know toes into the NFL waters. Yep, they certainly are. And I know you guys aren't here for us to talk about that. You're here for us to talk about Cam Robinson, and we are going to do just that. But first, follow us on Twitter at Jeremy Markowski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And, of course, check out GenJag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis and opinions, hot takes, hot thoughts from Jeremy Markowski. Uh, The hot thoughts today, it ended up being a hot thought, and then that even uh, was ruined by the Jaguars for you there, Jeremy. <laughs> it wasn't even a. It wasn't even hot. It was just like a flash in the pan, you know. It's like a quick little flame, and then it was gone. Hot thoughts are dead. Uh, I think it's a sign. But no, they'll, they'll still be around. But yeah, that was just a crazy. I, I thought about it all morning. You know, I, I'm trying to be very current with my hot thoughts. I don't want to be sitting on something for a week, right? I wanted to be fresh. I wanted to be just whatever. It's coming into my head, and and I sat there and I thought about it, and I was like, watch this. I have all these hot thoughts coming out, and I guarantee that you know the NFL, just the way it works, is just going to squash all of them, and it sure as hell did. Yeah. So you wanted to talk about Devontae Adams, you know, if he escaped Green Bay, obviously, and that wasn't going to happen. And then um, you also said the Jaguars sh- should not and will not use the franchise tag, which is exactly what they did with Cam Robinson. I was with you in the fact that they should not. I also would have guessed that they would not. I, I thought the transition tag might have made more sense for Cam Robinson and for DJ Chark, for that matter. Uh, either one of them, if you wanted to kind of keep them on the back burner, you could have done that. But now the Jaguars have placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on Cam Robinson, $16.6 million cap hit for 2022 for Cam Robinson, which leaves the Jaguars with about 38 to $40 million an effective 2022 spending money left that they have cap space. So Jeremy, what are your thoughts? Uh, man, I, it, it's a little puzzling. And I think you and I both, obviously, like you, you mentioned, kind of agreed and, and thought that the best move would be for the Jaguars not to use the franchise tag. Um, and, and if they did, Cam Robinson at that at that price tag at that value just doesn't seem like a great fit to me. You know, is he worth that money? And I would say no. 
He's not a top tier offensive tackle. I will say he's an above average, slightly above average. You know, it's like he's you know, yeah, he's got to be right around fifteen, right, right, something like that. Barely, you know, just just uh, over the cusp of being average, and the price tag doesn't fit that kind of production. It also doesn't fit the possibility of looking into replacing Cam or, um, you know, I guess you could say finding his replacement. It doesn't necessarily rule out that, but we thought we did that last year, right? Tagging him, draft, drafting Walker Little in the second round. You're not going to invest that first round. Obviously, it, you know, number one overall is going to be Trevor, but you're not going to invest that second first round pick into a position you just fill with the franchise tag, which with, with big money. And they did, and they took a tackle in the second round. And and so this year, here we are again, number one overall pick. It seems, you know, at least in my opinion, that the offensive tackles in this class are really starting to separate themselves from the rest of the class in regards to best player available. And I know some people don't agree with that, but but that's what I think. And so I was really leaning towards the tag not being used. You've got a shot to go get one of two guys with Evan Neal and, and Iki Aquanu. Um, at the top of the draft, you have the flexibility there to, you know, potentially bait someone else into maybe giving up some capital to move up to number one as well. So I just I didn't see it playing out this way. Yeah, I don't think that this eliminates anything necessarily. <clears throat> Agree. I think, and I think you mentioned that on Twitter earlier. Like everything is still in play, but this definitely sends you down a certain direction. At least it looks like a lot can happen and a lot will happen over the next weeks and months leading up to the draft. But if you're looking at this, not even from a draft perspective, which of course you have to, you have to look at everything. You have to look at free agency and the draft together. But if you're just looking at, um, you know, prior to the draft, what the Jaguars could do, so you've spent $16.6 million on a lateral move, and that's a $16.6 million cap hit, not just a salary. That is the cap hit. So he's taking effectively $17 million away from your 2022 cap. What could you get with $17 million on the open market? Okay. Uh, in terms of signing a couple guys, you could theoretically sign Allen Robinson, and Christian Kirk and have them combine for like a $17 million 2022 cap hit. Um, you could sign to Ron Armstead. And of course that's going to be a hot competition. It could be very difficult to land him. I get that, but I'm just saying to Ron Armstead is in all likelihood going to have a smaller cap hit in 2022 than Cam Robinson. That's unbelievable to me. And now that's not his salary. His salary is probably going to be $25 million. And over the course of the contract, of course, that cap hit will rise. But you could have had Teron Armstead, potentially, the option to have Teron Armstead as your blindside protector for Trevor Lawrence, a top five left tackle at a cheaper salary cap number in 2022 than Cam Robinson. Is that not insane? No, it is. I agree because the the biggest thing that makes this, I think, a bad move, and you've just you know completely went into depth about it, is the fact that that number there's no playing with it, right? We talk about cap hits and how teams can be, you know, 
creative with the way that they work these numbers into contracts and you know work it out front load back load all these different things void years yada 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 all of that goes out the window with the with the franchise tag and like you said it's it's a hard cap hit of almost 17 million dollars and there's no way around it and and it takes away and and I'll not get into this too deep because you just did and I want to be repetitive but it takes away all the flexibility that you could have used that money in different ways to sign different players like you just mentioned I mean it just it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense if you're still looking to upgrade multiple spots along the offensive line because we both know that you know in in Reese you know in tagging cam or even in drafting you know Evan Neal or Aquanu or even in signing Teron Armstead the team cannot be done with their revamp of the offensive line you can't stop there yeah, I agree 100%. You need to upgrade right tackle. Now, if Cam Robinson is your starting left tackle, you have a competition with Walker Little and um, and Jawan Taylor, obviously, on the right side, which hopefully, hopefully Walker Little would be able to win that battle, certainly. And, and, and like you, you mentioned, he's not Cam Robinson is not a terrible football player. And... There are, you could argue, and it's actually no argument. He played the best football of his life down the stretch in 2021. But is that a flash in the pan? Because that looks like a a guy that knows he could go get his bag, his big payday, and he's going to play his best football of his life down the stretch. I don't I'm not going to sit here and believe that that 6 to 8 games over the final you know uh period of 2021 I'm not going to pretend that that is what he was throughout his entire career because it's not if you want to look at this in the most positive way you could say he played his best football down the stretch in 2021. He is entering his prime. He should have the best days ahead of him. You can say that, and and I don't completely disagree with that. I just still disagree with the premise that he's worth 16.6 million, and that signing him for 16.6 million in 2022 is the best allocation of that 17 million dollars. Um, now there's. People that are out there, and I, I get why you want to look at all the possible options here. Some folks on Twitter have asked, um, can they rescind the franchise tag still on Cam Robinson? They absolutely can. Um, why would they, or why would it make sense to sign him and then, or to place the franchise tag on him and then rescind it down the road? I really can't think of a good reason for doing that because you have him under the franchise tag right now. So you're going to go into free agency. You're not going to spend money on a left tackle because you have him. So you're going to rescind it after free agency. And then what are you going to do about left tackle? You're going to rescind it after the draft. I don't think so. You have pole position in the draft. It's not like you need to keep him on the back burner for yourself just in case you can't land your favorite offensive tackle in the draft because you have the number one pick. You control the draft. So in terms of rescinding this down the road, I just can't see a situation where that makes sense. I disagree. Okay. I disagree with you, and here's why. 
Um, rescinding the tag. Now, now there's something we want to be very clear about. Rescinding the tag puts them on the open market. Yeah. So I don't know if there's penalties involved with that. I would have to believe, you know, I, I don't really understand what the point of being allowed to rescind the tag is in the first place. If I can tag you, hold you close, no other team can can really negotiate with you. We can go through the whole draft process, everything, the whole nine yards, and then I can rescind the tag before there's a, I know there's a window, a um and mid July. Okay, is that when it is? Okay. So by mid July, right? That's a long time between now and then. I can see a few things happening that perhaps we'd be giving too much credit to the Jaguars for possibly conjuring up behind the scenes, but this does allow some flexibility, like I mentioned earlier on Twitter, with what you can do not only at number one, but with what you can do with Cam and with the rest of your roster. You are able to now shop him. I guarantee you there are teams that need significant offensive line help that would like to make an offer for Cam. I just I guarantee it somewhere. Now the offer may not be right in the Jaguars' eyes, and I don't know what the value is going to be, but some some team is going to have to be somewhat at least interested in him. With the Jaguars being in So that's one, where I was going to go next. I was okay. specifically talking about rescinding the tag here, though. Like, okay, so it's just straight rescinding the tag. Well, that, yes. I, I think there are different things, different stepping stones along the way that could allow you to rescind the tag. So how about we just go through whatever you were going to go through, and, and we'll kind of touch on those points as we go, because I think some of them in, in, involve rescinding it sooner and some of them revolve involve rescinding it later the only thing that i could say would allow the jaguars to rescind that tag in the immediate near future would be a legitimate shot at teron armstead or a legitimate shot at multiple offensive linemen that maybe they were not super confident that they would have a chance at signing initially and maybe that's why they kind of fell back to putting that tag on cam if things start to change and they start to pick up steam in the free agent market I think you could see that tag reset, and I think you you could see Cam hit the open market. Yeah, I guess you would be right in that scenario. The only situation in terms of rescinding the tag entirely that would make sense in my mind is if they're keeping Cam around for the next week to try to see if they can land her on Armstead. And if they can't land her on Armstead, then they probably keep Cam for 2022 in terms of uh, – not rescinding the tag at the very least. Would you agree with that? Not rescinding the tag in the in the near yeah. future. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Right. Because why? Why else would you get rid of an like offensive tackle? Like, he is your. He, you, you know. You well. You know that your offensive tackle on the right side is no good. At least as a starter, you don't quite know what you have in Walker Little yet, which is frustrating. So you can't get rid of him unless you know you've got a significant improvement coming. Right, and I think I would not blame a team for feeling really good about Walker Little. Um, I would want a little bit more than that for 2022. I would want, if if I was going into 2022 with Walker Little as a potential starter, I would want him to have to compete for that job. And you could say on the right side he would. But anyways, let's get back to Cam Robinson here. So they could rescind the tag and simultaneously agree to terms with Teron Armstead. They could do that. Certainly. And that would show some impressive foresight and some impressive planning. They could also try to trade Cam Robinson, like you mentioned, and you mentioned some teams would be interested in that potentially. I just don't 
if I was in a if I was another team, I would not be interested in trading for Cam Robinson because I wouldn't want to have to potentially pay him as much as you're going to have to pay him this year, and I wouldn't want to have to sign him to a deal that was worth thirteen to fifteen, maybe more per year. When there's other guys set to hit free agency that are not going to cost you a draft pick or any sort of compensation other than cap space, like Eric Fisher, like Trent Brown, like Riley Reef, like Morgan Moses, like you can take a swing at Teron Armstead. I just don't know why a team, when free agency is going on, is going to sit there and trade for Cam Robinson. Now, now maybe after free agency happens, if a team was unable to land a starting caliber tackle that they wanted, then they could start looking at potentially trading for Cam Robinson. I could entertain that thought. Yeah, that, that, that is something that I've, that I've thought about. Also, my thing is the number for Cam, at least from my perspective, now this could be completely, obviously erroneous thinking. The reason that they had to sign Cam would have to be that he's asking for more money, right? Than, than would have been given to him on the tag. Not necessarily because this is a short-term, one-year thing. But if like I could see them agreeing to give him the franchise tag for one season instead of paying him fifteen million dollars per year for five years. And the reason why I get to that, and I hear what you're saying, but the reason why I get to that train of thought is because. First of all, the, the almost seventeen million that he's getting is is way above market value for Cam. Yes. Now you'd have to think that he knows that his agent knows that the NFL knows that, right? Like it, it's not the NFL is a very savvy business. These guys know what's going on. I, I think Cam would only ask for less money from a team not named the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? To at least get something out of leaving for less money. So I don't necessarily think teams are going to be as scared of that because he's not going to get that money. He's not that kind of tackle. He doesn't demand that money on the open market or in renegotiation process. I think if you find the right team or the right suitor that would possibly be looking for Cam, it, it may work out. They're probably going to look at getting him at a, a smaller number, obviously, than what and, you're looking at right now. And what would they be willing to give up? If I'm – this is a former second-round pick. He is entering his prime. He's been average for most of his career. He was slightly above average in 2021. I think you can look at him as slightly above average moving forward. What are you willing to give up when you know you're going to have to sign him? What are you going to give up? That's a good question. And I think the Cam Robinson's worth to the Jaguars in regards to trade bait increases as we go, and I'll talk about that as we keep talking about the process, keep talking about getting closer to draft time and stuff like that. But I, I think that you'd probably be willing to give up at least, you know, a third to fifth round pick for a guy like that. Maybe, uh, maybe a couple small, uh, you know, pick packages here and there. The Jaguars could potentially use for other purposes going forward. But I, I think there have to be somebody that'd be worth it. And for the Jaguars, knowing, in my opinion, they know unless things turn around and change dramatically and a, the team starts winning, you know, to, to make cam want to be here and B cam turns into an all pro tackle. He's gone after this year. So not only did you just pay him the money, which we obviously both don't agree with, but 
if you're going to let him walk after the year's over anyway, because you're not going to give him that third year, you're not going to give him that, what is it, 150% of his... You of can't his, do it anymore, I don't think. I think the, it's the only third two years, years. The third year is dead now? Okay, well, yeah. either way. So regardless, you're, you're letting him walk after the season, right? There's, there's no chance he comes back. So truthfully... The Jaguars are losing a little bit of leverage between now and the draft. I think they, they gain a little bit as we go forward here, but I still think that that in most cases, in most cases, something is better than nothing. And I think the Jaguars will be willing to take something over nothing when Cam walks away next year. So here's the other thing. Um, let's say you are going to trade him. That scenario... In my mind, if you're trading him, you're probably trading him after all these other guys, all these other dominoes fall. Because I don't know why a team would trade for him right now at this moment. Agreed. If you were waiting for the other dominoes to fall, that means you didn't go get one of those dominoes. And so if you're trading him, then you're back at square one. Well, we don't, your we left don't know tackle that. situation. We don't know that yet. Legal tampering period hasn't opened. No, but what I'm saying is they're, they're not going to be able to afford to sign the guys they need to be able to sign and then trade him after that. Well, uh, no, not, not necessarily because as long as the Jaguars maneuver the money to be under the cap for the year, right? The, the years coming don't matter. You could, you could structure a contract backload, you know, whatever you have to do, signing bonus, small cap hit for the first year to make it fit. And then you I'm can, just telling you, they only have 38 to $40 million left right now. And I know that can go a long way in free agency, but if you're talking about signing another left tackle and having Cam Robinson on the books until you trade him and signing the wide receiver help you need, the guards, you need edge. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It can kind of start yeah. to you shrink up on you. You oversigned and you worry about it down the road. We see a bunch of teams doing it. No, but they can't. They can't sign those guys and be over the cap and then trade Cam Robinson. I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. But again, they can still if they if they maneuver it properly to keep themselves under the cap, they could still potentially I'm just saying it limits what you can do. It limits you. Absolutely. It's gonna limit you. Spending any money at any point is gonna limit you across the board. But it can't uh, yeah, but it can't be done. I think we're we're arguing semantics here, right? But I mean look at other teams have done this in the past. They've they've made it work for the year current and have destroyed their cap in the later years. I look at New Orleans specifically right now, they're what, net minus seventy million right. over the cap, right? They they backloaded a bunch of contracts for a bunch of guys to keep them here. And now I'm not saying that's the best way to go about it, but the Jaguars truly want to capitalize on their window of having Trevor Lawrence on a cheap rookie contract with hopefully aspirations of making it to a Super Bowl within that first window. There's maybe some things that they kind of got to maneuver and, and, and work around and, and deal with it, you know, absolutely. Years. I'm just saying, if you have the $16.6 million locked up in Cam Robinson when you hit free agency, you are not giving yourself the best chance to land the players you need. And if you're planning on trading him, you need another tackle. But uh, yes, agreed. Now here in a follow-up counterpoint there, that money to them is ghost money. It's silly money, right? It could be but it's not when it impacts the cap. But it could be rescinded just as you know, just as easy as it was given. They could be in verbal agreements with all of these free agents and know that hey, if I take away this sixteen million dollars, 
we're back under the cap again. I can right, go out there but then we're talking about rescinding it, not trading it. Moving the money, regardless. Yeah, rescinding it, trading it. You know what I'm saying? Yes, agreed, agreed. And that's I get the yeah. rescinding it part. You would have to agree to all these contracts and simultaneously trade Cam, which I don't think you can do that if, in order to maximize the amount of money you can spend this offseason. If they found a suitor, they potentially could, right? Because that, that money. I just think they're not so. going to be able to find a suitor at the same time they're signing the first wave of free agents. And that's 100%. I, I get where you're coming from 100%. All I'm saying is it, it's theoretically conceivable. It's theoretically conceivable because that, that number, that $16 million number, there is no dead cap. There is no broken up hits, right? They trade them. It's gone. That mo- that money moves. It's a one-year hit. Yeah. So. Now, they could also be working on a long-term deal with him. Uh, they could like him that much. And then when I say long-term, that could be three years. Um, they could just be using this as a placeholder. I wouldn't be, personally, if I was running the team. I think you agree with that, obviously. But uh, those are the different options that are on the table still. So it's not like they're absolutely locked into having Cam Robinson as their starting left tackle in 2022. But that's absolutely the most likely scenario moving forward. 100%. 100%. And uh, would that satisfy you? No. Cam Robinson trotting out. And, and, and Now, forget. No, and, because in my opinion... Even if you weren't able to land Teron Armstead and you didn't feel comfortable drafting a tackle at one, you still should try to elevate your ceiling. And staying status quo with Cam Robinson is not doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I just, I don't agree with the deal at this point. But like we've outlined here, there are a lot of different ways it could go, a lot of different ways they can get out of this. They could find a trade partner down the road. They could be able to agree to terms with Teron Armstead and then rescind the tag on Cam. There are things they can do. I don't think any of them are likely. Um, We'd also be giving that front office way too much credit to assume or even think they thought this far in advance or had these plans made this far in advance. That would be some next level front office stuff. That it would I be just, damn impressive. Right? It, it would be super impressive. That that would be some, some crazy maneuvering. I just I, I don't know if they're capable of that. Yeah. And we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out here soon. We've got a week until legal tampering and free agency. Less than a week now. Taking next Wednesday off. I'm supposed to be moving next Tuesday. So great, great stuff for me. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Right in that window. Yeah. So that'll be great. Now that's, this also means with Cam Robinson getting the tag that DJ Chark did not receive a franchise or transition tag. And unless the Jaguars get a deal done with him prior to next week, he's going to hit free agency. And that's your current, I mean, he was without question, your number one receiver. Now, without him, you're looking at a team whose number one receiver is Marvin Jones. You don't like that, obviously. Now, DJ was out there at our uh, alma mater today with Trevor Lawrence 
getting some work done at Bishop Kenny on the practice fields out there. Actually, not even on the practice field, on the playing field. On the game field, yeah. Game field. They gave him the game field. Gotta love that. It's one of the things I used to love. You know, side thing real quick. When I, when I was there, Blake and, oh my God, back then it was, I think, Ace Sanders and mm-hmm. uh, I think Denard came over one time. Those guys would go over there all the time. That's one of the coolest things to be going to like gym class or, you know, walking across the parking lot and just, just to see some NFL players out there on your on your high school field, just tossing the ball around. Yeah, and it's a it's a great field, great location, beautiful. Glad to see the Charks out there getting work with Trevor, though, because up until this point, talking about what we're talking about, I, I, I would have been all doom and gloom, like DJ's gone. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But seeing that he's still working, he's still actively with teammates. You know, we saw him a couple weeks ago. Um, over at the JU game, the JU UNF game, and and people see him around town, and he's still seemingly, you know, all smiles, and 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 hasn't, you know, made any outward sign that he is leaving. Could he potentially be working on a multi-year contract? If you're not going to tag him, that's really your only other option, right? Now, the only thing that kind of scares me or bothers me is the fact that there have been reports that he is going to receive respectable offers from multiple teams and that he's, you know, on a bunch of people's radars and that kind of, you know, spooks me a little bit just because how much money can you actually put into his career numbers? They're not great. I just had a thought. Would you rather it's a hot thought. (laughs) I think it might be. Sorry. I had to, (laughs) I think it might be. Would you rather Go into the season with Walker Little as your starting left tackle or Marvin Jones as your starting wide receiver one. Walker Little, without question. Marvin Jones can't cannot cannot command A, number one targets. He's never done it in his career, never been effective enough to do it in his career. And B, just he's older, slower, not really the receiver we're looking for. He didn't really have any impact last year. Walker literally showed us that he was capable, right? At least capable. We have so to me, that suggests from my evaluation and from your evaluation, wouldn't you rather franchise DJ? Unless you're working on that long-term deal, like you said. Oh, yeah. We could have we could have gotten that knocked out of the way at the very beginning of the podcast. I mean, I think anybody at this point, and I, I was obviously speaking for the masses here, would have rather – tagged dj i don't think you could have at that number still i mean his was would have been 18 million dollars and and that's even worse so but i, I think you're right i think but you're on better it. player i think you're yeah no i agree i think i think you're on to it well eh, respectively yeah i'd probably say so given position bias i'd probably say so but now that you're kind of you know stirring up the the pot a little bit here, it does it does kind of bring into light you know the fact that they may be working on a multi year deal. That would be the only reason that you wouldn't tag DJ over Cam if you thought he was more valuable to your team. And when you phrase it that way and look at it that way, he's leaps and bounds more valuable to this team right now than Cam Robinson is. Right? You said it. Let Cam walk. You've got Walker Little. You still got number one overall. Right. You let DJ walk, you're down to Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, and Jamal Agnew as one, two, three. And that puts you in a pretty dark position, especially when you're looking at your quarterback and his development. And if you swing and miss, 
at every free agent wide receiver, as we see a bunch of them, you know, get get as we've seen up in the, the Jaguars do their entire team history for right. the most part in free agency at wide receiver and within the draft as well, which we've seen them do quite consistently as of late. I mean, you could really be looking at uh, probably a step backwards. It could be. Now you talk about those wide receivers, Devontae Adams staying in green Bay, Chris Godwin staying in Tampa, Mike Williams, shiny new contract with the chargers. 20 million a year. Yeah. You look at uh, tight ends, Dalton Schultz staying in Dallas. Jaseki staying in Miami and Joku staying in Cleveland. The free agent pool, as it often does, or always does, is starting to dwindle at the positions that the Jaguars need to address at wide receiver. So now that's making DJ Chark not only more valuable to the Jaguars, but more valuable to the 31 other teams in the NFL that would like to add another receiver. Because you're starting to look at this receiver list that's going to be available. You've got Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham, Michael Gallup, who's coming off the injury, Antonio Brown, who Lord knows what he's doing, Juju Smith-Schuster, Christian Kirk, DJ Chark. Those are your top guys. Which one? Who? Who's going to command the mo- more money than DJ Chark? Allen Robinson, probably. I was just about to ask you that question, so I'm glad you're going there right now. Odell Beckham. Take out AB. Maybe. Yeah, obviously. AB is not going <laughs> to. <laughs> Michael Gallup, is he going to get more than DJ? Coming off that injury? I don't know. I don't know. There, there are a couple Astro guys I'd put. I put Gallup as an Astro guy for sure because of the injury. Obviously, AB, you know, is just kind of over there. And OBJ is probably just going to try to get to a contender. OBJ as well. You know, you're right. Contender, knee knee issues. Who's going to make more than DJ besides Allen Robinson? Yeah, I mean, that that's exactly what I was about to ask you next. I was going to, you know, throw a hot thought back at you. And then I was going to ask you that out of, out of you know, Gallup. And I know we can't put those guys aside. But really, you, t- you look at Mike Williams, three years, $60 million, about $20 million a year, right? That is, in my opinion, more than 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 what I think he more than what I thought, not think because it's already happened. More than what I thought he was going to get, and then you go down the line. Did you think? I don't that, hate it. I don't the hate cap's it. It's going to continue to rise. It's not going to look bad in two I, years. No, but but it did, doesn't it? It seems like a little heavy for for Mike Williams. It's a lot. The, I mean, I think his market value probably would have been more like seventeen to eighteen. But that's a, and that's a number two. That's a big number, absolutely. Right? No, yeah. but he's a number two. Oh, excuse receiver. me. Well, it depends how you look at it. Over the next couple of years, Keenan Allen's up there. So he's you done know, in three years though, Keenan Allen's got at least two maybe. solid three years left. You would think. I agree. With I you, think, but I think Williams will be the number one guy within the next three years. Right. So the fact of the matter is, and, and what I was getting at was, okay, Mike Williams, that money for in my eyes right now, a number two guy. Depending on where a guy like Juju goes, or you know, I mean, who really else after that? Christian Kirk? I, mean, I guess you could say, but yeah, there, there's not many guys. And those are both slot 
slot receivers. They're not going to get paid as much as a potential X receiver. Now, I don't agree with that per se. I think okay. I, th- I think things are changing, right? Receivers are receiver. It doesn't matter where you line them up at this point, in my, in my opinion. Traditionally, I would have agreed with you, yes, you know, your slot guy is not. But but these slot guys in some systems and in, in some offenses in the NFL, these guys are number one receivers. They can line up inside. I hear you, but do you think those two guys are going to make more than DJ? I don't. I think DJ would get more than them on the open market. That's what the hot thought is. I, you know, do you think now it's it's going to inflate his market? Because I think first of all, do you think DJ is worth eighteen million a year? That's number no. one. That, so no. that that's what that's what the franchise tag was at, and then you see a guy like Mike Williams make two million a year more than that. So now you know he's pushing the market up as a number two. The market's thinning. It's only making DJ's number rise. So what? Where do you get? What number do you get to? Where do you get before you just say, "Nah, I can't touch that." And that's why the transition tag would have made so much sense, or even the franchise tag, because you just get another year to figure it out, and at least you've got this good receiver for Trevor. Or the transition uh, for you to at least match an yeah, offer, right? Yeah. Because if some, you know, if he ends up commanding, 50, I think fifteen million a year personally i mean he's gonna get 12 to 15 that would be 15 would be my my now that that would be a two two-year deal with the team option for a third year i think that would pretty much me, yeah. that, that i would be comfortable with that but i wouldn't go any any further I, I you might be able to get him for that but it's gonna be he's gonna have a nice market he's gonna have a nice market because and it's not just about um you know paying an outside receiver more than a slot it's what do these teams need if you need an x you're looking at allen robinson and you're looking at dj chark maybe michael gallup but you probably want him as a number 2 odell beckham yeah some teams are going to be able to use him but Again, that's going to be a limited amount of contenders that he'll sign with, I think. So, like, the average team is looking at Allen Robinson probably and DJ Chark. Yeah, and that puts us in a tough position because, at least in my opinion, I'm not a huge fan of the Allen Robinson, you know, back to Jacksonville. But we may we may get there. We may not have, obviously, any other be the best, the best of, like, the best. Making the best of what you can what, right. what you can here. So I pulled up the list here on Spot Track, and I want us to go through real quick, just both you and me. And I'm going to give out a couple names, and just let's let's say twelve to fifteen million average annual value. Would you be comfortable with these guys in that slot? I, I think we'll both say obviously Allen Robinson. Yes, right. We would absolutely if he'll comfortable demand, with eighteen. Yeah, right. he'll he'll demand more than that. So we'll just say yes then in total. But okay, what about Will Fuller? No. Jamison Crowder. No. Juju. 12. Sure. But not 15. That's my max. I can't drop. Okay. So we'll drop him in that window and we'll say yes. Um, and the truth on here after that, I mean, it just starts to kind of thin out, right? AJ Green is old. Keelan Cole, maybe, but not 12 to 15, right? Oh, I mean, no Sammy way. Watkins, nowhere close. Um, I mean, you could look at it and say, okay, maybe a guy like Jarvis Landry gets cut, and you could look at something like that. I think that you know, would would that be something you'd be interested in? And then obviously, you got to look at a guy like Amari Cooper, right? We, I think the writing's on the wall there. We know yes. what's going to happen, and, and those are both guys you'd obviously pay money. What about a guy like Demarcus Robinson? No, no, under he'd be. I, under. I don't want to sign him. 
Not at all. I don't like his game. No interest. Fair enough. Okay. I don't think he moves the needle for you at all. Now, where does this go in relation to the Jaguars looking to make outside deals as well? Right? Because I, you know, go get a guy like, and this is obviously wishful thinking, but, you know, people that have been rumored to be potentially on the move, DK Metcalf. Oh, absolutely. If you can go get DK or Tyler Lockett or Amari Cooper, because, I mean, I don't know about Tyler Lockett. He's going to be released. Oh, I would take Tyler Lockett in a heartbeat, baby. Really? He's a lot better than anything that's in Jacksonville right now and a lot better than 90% of the guys we just talked about. Fair enough. So, uh, yeah, he wouldn't be my – I'd rather have DK, sure. He's younger, he's freakier, you know, just bigger athlete, just unbelievable what he can do on the football field. But all of this is to say it's starting to become slim pickings on the wide receiver market. DJ Chark is going to be, you know, his – Value is just going to keep being elevated as these as the days go by. And you're going to be looking at probably trying to land DJ Chark back, trying to land Amari Cooper, or trying to land Allen Robinson. If you don't do any of those things, then you probably need to definitely go get a slot and go get Juju or Christian if you really want to get the best production there. Maybe get some guys that can really help you out. But it's slim pickings. You're going to have to attack it in the draft, too. They're slowly backing themselves into a corner into which they have to overpay Chark to stay. And that's really what I feared would happen initially. Or, yeah, or Robinson or Cooper. Well, but even then, you need at least... We, we said we needed at least two guys with us keeping DJ Chark. We both thought that yeah, he would keep DJ Chark. That it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be a question. So, if you don't, or now it, you know, you now you have to at least earn him back, or, or get the, you know, get him back. You've got to make three acquisitions. It's official now. You have to make three acquisitions. DJ Chark would be considered an acquisition. So, yes, if you only go get one of those guys, I feel like, well, I, if you could land one of DJ Chark, Amari Cooper, and Allen Robinson, and then land one of. Christian Kirk, um, Juju, or even if you wanted to go cheaper, um, Jamison Crowder, because you know he can run the slot as well, very well. If you paired those together, I think, and then you attacked it in the draft at some point fairly early on, I think you're looking at an upgraded room. But you're going to have stiff competition for these guys. Yeah, it's just tough. See, I, I, I know that you categorized Robinson, Cooper, and Chark. Plus, you know, blank, blank, and blank. But I don't think I don't think Chark fits into that. I, and this is just me. I, was, I I think he he is is below that. You have to get he is X plus X with Chark staying. If you take Chark it. and then add X, I think you're not really making any headway. Like if we get Chark over instead of Cooper and Robinson, and then add Christian Kirk, I think it's you, not I, ideal. I think you've done. I, I truly think you've done almost nothing. Right? You've just added Marvin Jones again. No, it's not ideal. To do that, but it, it you are adding something because you didn't have DJ last year. If you did, Trevor would have had a much better season, in my opinion. And Christian Kirk, I think, is a big upgrade. Yeah, we had Chark for what four games? He got hurt after. I thought it was like two. I thought three, four, two. Yeah, tough. But I mean, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it just showed yeah, you. You'd absolutely rather have Cooper 
than either Chark or Robinson. You'd rather have Robinson than Chark. Um, But that's what you could be looking at, you know, before you get to the draft. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. DJ Chark, he played in three games. Three games? Yes. But yeah, so, and and we can move on because we've been talking about Cam Robinson (laughs) and DJ Chark for 45 minutes here. Yeah. But obviously, for good reason here. Uh, we mentioned Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are staying in Green Bay. I, I don't think that was close to the biggest news of the day. Russell Wilson is going to Denver, going from the NFC West to the AFC West. This trade, this was like an NBA trade. This is one of the best trades I've ever seen. Bonkers. Absolutely um, bonkers. And of course, I lost the exact details here. It's uh, two firsts, two seconds, a fifth. Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and Drew Locke for Russell Westbrook, and I want to say a fourth. Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. There's, a lot of, <laughs> look, there's been a lot of Russell talk today, Wilson and Westbrook, and they're both W's. Yeah. Yep. Russell Wilson in a, in a fourth-round pick back. That's funny. Yeah, Denver. so, I mean, getting Shelby Harris and Noah Fant plus those picks? I don't hate it. Seattle, Seattle's not going to be as good as they – want to be in 2021 i mean 2022 but that's a nice haul i think that's an even trade yeah i I mean i personally i think when you're getting rid of a guy like russell wilson right a top tier franchise changing nfl quarterback there is no way to win that trade from seattle's perspective you can only get as much as you can so i think they did that i think they, they got as much as they could now there is a report coming out that that washington apparently offered three First round picks, um, but I mean, really, okay. So you trade, you get you get multiple first round picks from Denver, right? Wilson goes to Denver, and for the next three or four years, they're a perennial playoff team, and they're winning, and they're winning. How? Okay. I'm, I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking, if they are in that comp, in that division, in that division, yeah. Hey, hey, three. How many NFC West teams made the playoffs this year? Right. Yeah, they're both no? tough divisions. You're right about that, and it makes I, it tougher in the AFC. Over the next three years, I don't know. How many times? They, how many times they make the playoffs in the next three years? Do you think they make the playoffs in the next two years? Denver, just both years. Boom, boom. This year coming up in the next year. I don't know what years the first round picks are, but what I'm getting at, I don't know, is yeah. if they do, right? That puts you in the bottom. Tw- well, well, there's 14 teams, bottom 18 of the draft. All right, you may, maybe you win a wild card game. Maybe you don't even make wild card. Maybe you're in the divisional round. That drops you another four or five spots. Those mm-hmm. first round picks I'm getting at become less and less valuable. So I think it's really hard to you're right. a trade like that when you when you're trading a franchise quarterback away. Sure, you're getting all these first round picks, but they don't really mean anything. Not not as much as that quarterback bent to you. Yeah, and the Seahawks have not been great in the first round. No, but you know who does have a top ten first round pick this year currently that they still hold? Denver Broncos. Well, yeah, but. Now the Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks, yes. <laughs> and at number nine, and uh, you know the Seahawks also need help elsewhere, namely on the offensive line. Could the Jaguars entice a move up with a potential, you know, just add-on of Cam Robinson? Yeah. In maybe. And that's kind of what I was hinting at earlier. So now that we're here, that's what I was thinking. I would be into it, obviously. Right. Um, Again, a team that needs offensive line help 
isn't necessarily looking to go out and give you a lot of capital for a guy like Cam Robinson, given the fact that they're going to have to resign him. They're going to have to pay him $16 million this year. No questions asked. Could that be a chip in piece for you to get a little bit of capital Let them move up to one? You move back, maybe get a guy like Tyler Lockett or a guy like DK Metcalf. Wishful thinking here. I don't think that'll happen, but you know what I'm saying? Trent Baalke just climbing that chaos ladder. Look, man, I don't know. It's doing it right now. It seems way too, (laughs) it seems way too um, advanced for them, I guess you say. But, But if we're sitting here thinking about it and we've cultivated these ideas in our minds, you would at least hope or think that someone in NFL front office would also be capable of this. And if not, they should pay us for the ideas that we're giving out for free on our podcast. So Trent, if you're listening, which I know you're not, but if you are, what's up Trent, you're welcome. So the last bit of news right before um, the Jags announced that they were tagging cam Mike Giardi, he came out and he said, the Jaguars and the Dolphins, they're both going to be heavy players for Toronto Armstead. They want a seat at the table. They want to go after this guy. So perhaps, you know, talking about Trent Baalke, maybe really kind of big brain in it here. Perhaps they are still in on Toronto Armstead. I mean, I doubt it, but it is interesting timing with those reports. How the turntables turn, my friend. <laughs> exactly. But like, I mean, seriously, though, uh, we've come up with these possible scenarios, possible outcomes, ways they could use this to their advantage. You would have to think that that's, there's some sort of competent thoughts going on in that building. Mm. It just sounds too good to be true. But like you said, if you're in on Teron Armstead, you go sign a guy like Teron Armstead, boom, I'll rescind that tag immediately. <laughs> yes, certainly. Now... That's pretty much it for the news. And we've got a lot of topics and questions that people were asking about yesterday for the pod. And we're going to kind of get into this mailbag style here. I just got to pull up the thread Do it. and we'll kind of go through these. I do have to say, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy getting outside perspectives. So we could yeah, talk, and- at, we could talk about Jaguars all day in a vacuum, you know, but it, it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting to see where everybody else is at. Some people are way, way, way off the deep end here, but that's the internet for you. It is. (laughs) All right, so I've got it pulled up. Let's go ahead and get cracking on some of these thoughts and questions. We've got Anthony Espenson. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Seems like the tight end market is going to slip with the franchise tag on Njoku and likely on... Mike Jacecki, which, yes, that did happen, and also Dalton Schultz, of course. What would you do with the tight end spot? I'd also like to see if they get a pure X like Doug at in his best years in Philly. Okay, absolutely, yes, you want a pure X receiver. No question about it. Um, we've talked about that quite a lot on the show already. So what, what do we do with the tight end spot now that some of the top guys are gone? I still have an easy answer, but I want to see what you have to say. Uh, I think you do multiple things. Um, first of all, I think you go get a veteran guy like Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. Familiarity with the system, familiarity with the head coach, a good safety valve for your quarterback. Um, and something that has you know, kind of surprised me over the last few weeks and months is 
the toning out of, of the clamoring for a tight end in the draft. And I'm not quite sure why, because the Jaguars have a huge need at tight end. They have for some time now. And it seems like just a couple weeks or and maybe even just you know a month or two ago, there was so much talk about the Jaguars have to go get a tight end in the draft, have to get a tight end in the draft. I know we've talked about it. You like Isaiah Likely. I said they got to go for a guy like Weidermeyer, right? And then all of that noise, all of that talk kind of just disappeared. You don't see tight ends popping up on mock drafts anywhere anymore. It's just kind of like it disappeared. Maybe the Jaguars you know, or Jaguars fans assumed they were going to get a guy like Njoku or get a guy like Gasicki or Schultz or whatever, but it didn't happen. So you've got to go ahead and, like I said, get a guy like Ertz, and you still have to draft a guy. The market's thin. Go get a guy that's young, something you can maybe build around, and I think you got to do it early. None of these late tight ends, you know, Josh Oliver types, go get somebody who's proven in the second or third round. Um, yeah. I think if you go get Zach Ertz, you can feel real good about having Zach Ertz and Dan Arnold. And I do agree, especially because this draft, there's a lot of quality tight ends. There's no first round tight ends, in my opinion. Um, There's a lot of quality tight ends, though, that can make rosters and can help you out. But I think personally for me, if it was just Zach Ertz and Dan Arnold paired with, you know, uh, Farrell and man hurts. I'm good with that. I, I know you're not. And, and I, I, I don't have a problem addressing tight end in this draft because it is pretty deep. So I'm with you. I, I would probably lean more towards trying to go get one on day three that, uh, because there is so much depth, you can probably get someone that can really make your roster and have a long-term outlook with your team. If the Jaguars were allowed to draft the rights of younger players like they do in the NBA with overseas players and stuff like that. The Jaguars could draft the rights to Brock Bowers in this draft. And All I, in. And I would be okay with it. I don't even care <laughs> if I have to wait two more years, man. I don't even care. Absolutely. I'm with you there. Um, but yeah, so I think you have to, what, without question, we both agree you got to go get a veteran. Uh, and Zach Ertz just makes too much sense. I mean, played with Doug Peterson forever. Uh, had his best years with Doug Peterson. He likes Doug Peterson. They have a good relationship. He knows how to operate in this type of offense. He could be a safety valve for Trevor Lawrence to go along with Dan Arnold. It's just easy. And he had the resurgence in Arizona after the Eagles traded him. And I'm, so, not, I'm not even expecting him to be, you know, Zach Gers of old. I'm not even asking that. I, no. I just want him here to help Trevor understand what's going on. That's that's literally all it is. Yeah, and of course, Trevor is a very aware person and all that. But having someone like Zach Ertz would absolutely help. And of course, I've lost our thread here. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I'll get back to it in just a second. But yeah, I think having Zach Ertz in that room, it, it'll help Trevor. It'll help Dan Arnold, too. Yeah. Because he's still a young guy. I mean, he can still develop. He was a project coming in. I think Dan Arnold could still have his fo- best football ahead of him. How old so, 25, 26? I don't remember off the top I'll of my head. Up. But he came in as, um, you know, kind of a receiver, tight end type of guy. Oh, yeah. Dan Arnold is 26 years old. Yeah, so he could still have his best days ahead of him, especially with having a Zach Ertz on the same field with him. Mm-hmm. So... Steve Boston at 33. If George Pickens or Christian Watson 
is there. Oh, he's saying at 33, it's either George Pickens or Christian Watson for me. What do you guys think? I love both of those guys. I have them both with late first round grades. Um, if it was either of them, I would be good with that. I'm not, of course, we have to know who else is on the board, right? If somebody else I like more falls, I'd have to evaluate that. But in a vacuum, if you're talking about George Pickens or Christian Watson at 33, yes, I like that very much. If he's asking us to pick one or the other, I'm taking Pickens. I'm taking Pickens all day, every day. I just think he, he wasn't, but oh, he wasn't. I, I oh, like I where you're going with that. I didn't absolutely. I I, uh, I thought it was more of like a question, and but for me, and I'm going to give him my answer now. Then it's Pickett. Pickens is just a superior athlete. I think Pickens has shown um, after the the knee injury that he is still has the explosiveness, has the speed, and I think that's actually going to help Pickens a lot. It sucks that the knee injury happened while he was in college. It took a lot of time away from him, but. We've seen him since then physically play, and we've seen his explosiveness that we're not going to see from guys like Jamison Williams and John Mechie. We know he's still got it. I think George Pickens is is an absolute home run. If he's still there at 33 or maybe a little bit later. Yeah, I, I like George Pickens, and I would be very fine with them taking him at 33. Like I said, I have a first on him. I have a little bit of a higher grade on Christian Watson, and I'll tell you why. He's bigger. He's longer. He's faster by a considerable amount, more explosive. I think he's just the more complete player, and I think he has more upside. Yeah. Love them both, though. They have similar grades for me. I'm not trying to just slam George Pickens. I think Pickens is – the fact that he ran that 447 less than a year after surgery on that ACL is awesome. And uh, you know, I just kind of expect – I would like it if he was more like 205 than 195. And of course, he probably dropped some weight to run faster. That's what a lot of these guys do. I just think when you look at those two guys compared to each other, Christian Watson is just a little ahead of me with that uh, with that physical profile and and his tape. Like his tape is excellent. He dominated uh, at the FCS level. He really dominated at the Senior Bowl, and then he dominated at the Combine. He's just had a great run. Um, so yeah, I like both of those guys a lot. I would go Watson. You would go Pickens. Maybe we'll get the chance to see what the Jaguars would do. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Monteric Brown as a later option. I have not watched Monteric Brown. Have you? I have not. But if you're talking about later options, and it's kind of off the side here, I think the Jaguars have to do everything they can to make sure Justin Ross is on this team next year. Okay. We can talk about Justin Ross real quick. I think he's going to be a day three pick. Oh, I agree. 100%. 100%. And I think they are going to target him. It's just about if it falls in the right place. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would hope so. Just And obviously seeing them take ETN last year makes me hope that they're trying to put some familiarity around Trevor. And I think Justin Ross is a little bit of a sleeper in this draft. Like we know what he is. He's not a, a burner, but he is a big body. 6'4", go beat the ball. And the familiarity is there. I think you have to put him on the team next year. You yeah, the injuries are a concern, which is why Obviously. you're talking about day three. Because if you were just drafting, if you were able to draft college players after their freshman year, he would have been a first-round pick. No doubt. Or, or a second-round pick at the very worst. He And he's been able to produce, even after these injuries, 
Um, but he had another injury pop up this year. So obviously it's a concern. I had them in my most recent predictive mock taking him in the fifth or sixth round. And I think that would be a good idea, certainly, uh, because he has the rapport with Trevor and with Travis. And uh, he's a talented football player who, if he can get get a little luck on his side in the injury department, he can have a long NFL career, in my opinion. Now, um, John Henney or Hine, I'm not sure. He also says Christian Watson as a prospect, and when is he projected now? I would say he's projected early second round, which is right where we had him talking about 33. And then he says, can you spill the tea on the bulky situation with Hutchinson and maybe working a deal? I'm not really sure what that means. I link Hutchinson to bulky because uh, bulky loves defensive linemen. His last two first-round picks as the 49ers GM were Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. Um, he loves those blue pit, uh, blue collar, uh, lunch pail type of guys. You know all the stupid cliches that you hear, but it's easy to love Hutchinson, right? Like he had an amazing combine. He is an effortless leader, try hard guy, but also an incredible athlete. I just, to me, that screams a Trent Balky pick. Yeah, and and you know. The moves made in the last four or five hours would point in that direction as well. Then we both kind of said that it doesn't necessarily cement that in any way, shape, or form. And there's obviously free agency and a lot of other things to go through. But come on, you know, tagging your left tackle when the biggest, I think, competition to an edge rusher at number one is a tackle, you know, maybe says that you're leaning one way. I don't necessarily agree, but you can't rule it out. You know, he it obviously looks like it. I mean, that that has to be the betting favorite, right? And as you said, he he likes to bolster the defensive line. We've seen him do it in the past. If they're making other moves to shore up the offensive line, which I think is probably what Doug is pushing for, then absolutely, Hutchinson. You know, just seems like that kind of fit. He does, and it's also T. Wig um, Tony Wiggins from Locked On Jaguars in January. His source told him that that was their number one guy in the building. And Dilla has been hearing that as well. So you add all, uh, all those things up together Points. and that's what, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. We're, we're headed towards. Yeah. Um, of course that could change. We're not writing that in stone at all. None of this is written in stone. Cam Robinson being the starting left tackle in 2022 is not written in stone. It's just what it looks like. We're trending towards certainly now um, we've got, K Breezy904. I know he supports Jin Jag quite a bit. Shout out to him. He asks about wide receiver David Bell. Are you familiar with David Bell? I've seen a little bit. Purdue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a little bit. I, I wouldn't be super um, educated to give a take on it. I know that you would. Yes, I've watched quite had, a bit of David Bell. You're quite Bell. the David Bell guy, yes. I like David Bell. I have him as a second-round pick. He came out to the Combine, and it wasn't great. I will bring up his results right now for y'all. But this is a guy starting X receiver. He has shown the ability to create separation at all three levels of the field. Um, He's 6'1", 212 pounds. So you've got a good frame there. He's not a massive receiver, but you've got a good frame there. And then um, his arms came in a little short, but that's okay. The real issue, people did not like the 40-yard dash 
They did not like the vert. I've got my dog freaking out here. You're going to have to carry us for a second. Let's see what's going yeah, on. Do what you got to do. <laughs> do what you got to do. Um, yeah, I don't really know much about David Bell, to be completely honest. But I'm going to go to a separate uh, question here from the mailbag, and we'll get back with Jordan when he gets back. Unless hey, sorry about there that. There he is. Never mind. Continue with your I David think- Bell. I'll just tell everybody how I don't know, and I was going to move on to the next question until you got back. But continue. Yeah, the wife's uh- – Kara's cooking in the kitchen. I don't think she could hear Murray clawing at the door. She's trying to get in here and talk some Jaguars football with us. She got any takes on David Bell? It sounds like he's got her excited one way or the other. Bust, I'm not sure if it's in a bad way. Or, I'm not sure if she wants him or wants to keep him out. But um, yeah, so he ran a 4.65. You're obviously not super thrilled about that. And a 33-inch vert, also not great. So it wasn't a great combine show, but he's not a guy that really wins with elite athleticism. He's a technician with his routes. He has phenomenal hands. And uh, I just think he's going to be a starting X or outside wide receiver in the NFL, whether he's your X or uh, your number two. I think David Bell has a really good shot to be a really good receiver in the NFL and uh, be productive for a very long time. And so if the Jaguars could grab him, I wouldn't grab him at 33. I think that's a little rich for me. At 65, if he's still on the board, which he very well could be with the talent and this receiver class and some of the guys that kind of blew up the combine, whereas David Bell struggled at the combine, I think absolutely at 65, if you have not addressed receiver and David Bell's on the board, he should be one of those guys that you're looking at. Yeah, I hate that I wasn't able to contribute to that topic on David Bell. Sorry about that, Kyle, but I can't compliment his ridiculous head of hair and yeah. that beard. So kudos to that guy, and, and, and thanks for supporting. But sorry I couldn't offer any David Bell advice. Yeah, so another person, Nick, um, he also asked about wide receivers available at 65, so David Bell certainly, if he's there. Alec Pierce. He brings up an Alec Pierce. If David Bell had a bad time at the combine, Alex Pierce absolutely destroyed it here. This is a guy from Cincinnati, so he had a lot of experience in the uh, last couple years in college football playing in some big-time games. When you look at what Cincinnati has done over the last couple years, he goes, he had an okay senior bowl. He didn't blow me away. I thought his tape was a lot better than what you saw at the Senior Bowl. But he's 6'3", 211, 33-inch arms, which is great. 4'4", 40-yard dash, and a 40.5-inch vert. I mean, those are that shows that long speed. That shows that explosiveness. He's got the size. Um, I think if you can get him at 65, he, he could end up being a really great pick for you as well. And then he also asked about Jalen Tolbert. And John Mechie. Tolbert is the guy out of South Alabama. He is a Jaguar himself, South Alabama Jaguars. I think he's going to be a third round pick uh, or a fourth round pick. I like his game. I don't love it. I think he's a little stiff. Um, I think he has a chance to be a good number two receiver or number three receiver in the NFL. I'm not as high on him as Pierce or Bell, but I do like him. I would be fine with the Jaguars adding him. And then John Mechie. I know you've seen some John Mechie, haven't you? Oh, of course, see some John Mechie. Come on, man. <laughs> what do you see with Mechie? So, again, I'm mean, obviously there's there's some you know questions with the knee, 
Um, he's further along in his rehab than Jamison Williams, which is something that obviously you, you look at, and that's a plus for him in that department. But again, I think in the Jaguars position, I don't think you can really go after either of those guys, Mechie included, because truthfully speaking, the best case scenario is probably let them sit a year. Now, you may be able to get them back, and you know we, we've seen a little bit more in the past that the ACL tends to not be a full 12-month setback like it has been, but you still see the warning signs from guys that come back too early. And so I think these receivers, these kind of guys, are going to be more, um, I guess you could say, uh, what's, uh, I can't, I'm having like a brain fart right now. Like other teams will be more drawn to these players. They might be more, gosh, what's the word when attractive, I guess, to teams who are, have the ability to sit them out for a year. I don't think the Jaguars have the luxury Mm -hmm. of being able to do that. But when you look at other receivers who I think are going to be around at 65 or could potentially be down to 65, somebody's going to drop. Somebody's going to drop, whether it be Traylon Burks. I'm not saying that I think these guys are going to drop, but just history shows that one of these guys, Burks, Pickens, uh, Jahan Dotson, maybe, uh, you know, Mechie, I think will certainly be there. will be an option. Um, I don't think Jamison Williams obviously will be there at that point. Um, well, you know, will a guy like Christian Watson make a climb, but not quite make it all the way into the first round? I mean, that's also something you potentially look at. There are pro days and other things coming down the road as well. One guy that I will say, though, I, I think you should keep your eyes open for and not rule anything out is Wandale Robinson. Still a good proponent on Wandale Robinson. Doesn't have the size, not your prototypical outside receiver, right? But skill, shiftiness, speed, still a guy that I like. At 65. Might be a little bit of a stretch, but Wanda Robinson. Yeah, for me, that would be a little early for him just because he is so small. Yeah, 5'11. Oh, that's that's the Kentucky listed way. He's he's a he's 5'8. Let's see here. I'd say I'd say 5'10 if he's if he's on his tiptoes and cleats and standing right up. I'd give him the 5'9, 5'10 frame there yeah five eleven six foot's a little much but why am i not pulling him up okay. was he at the combine okay. yeah so I'll, measure I'll, okay yeah yeah he's five eight one seventy eight and his even smaller than I one thought. of the worst things here is 27 and a half inch arms i mean i know people like to make fun of scouts for talking about arm length that is short i mean he cannot play on the outside at the next level in my opinion, at all. And I, I really think he's going to be a, an offensive weapon gadget type player, not really even a full-time slot, I don't think. I do think he can help you out, but I'm not drafting him until the fourth round. Not saying he's this guy, so don't crucify me for this, but, I mean, shoot, so is Tyreek Hill. Now, I get... Hill's a lot bigger. He's not a lot bigger, He's what five and nine, a lot five faster. ten, yeah, a lot faster. Don't get me wrong. He he has a much better, the fastest man in the NFL. But you see those sort of skills at receivers finding their way into the NFL. Rarely do you see them end up being someone like Tyree Kill, though. I that agree. is certainly the outlier, the exception, not the rule in Tyree Kill. And uh, let's just look at Tyree Kill at the combine. Sean Jackson. Yeah, again, I think he is a lot faster. So Hill was 5'10", 185 at the Combine. 
So he's bigger. Yeah. I mean, he is. Bottom line. And this is a guy, Tyreek Hill, that nobody saw coming either. So, uh, <laughs> right. I now think, you look for those kind of guys, right? Everybody's, everybody's the next Tyreek Hill I, or the next uh, Debo Samuel. Personally, I don't. I think you're chasing cars. Like you're, you're just, you're trying to find something that really doesn't exist all that often. Yeah. In my opinion, uh, with guys like that. So I could, yeah, take a flyer on day three, fourth round, if you want to. I'm good with that. Absolutely. What else do we got here? Keep losing my thread. It's the worst. Is it Twitter giving you some issues? I just keep accidentally looking at other things. (laughs) Uh, Somebody brings up Leighton Vander Esch as an intriguing option. I I did see that. I don't, I guess. I don't know. He's talented. He's always injured. You know, he's kind of not the same player he once was. I think you could probably find better options. Yeah, kind of draft. Kind of smells like Luke Keekley, right? But not being nearly as good as Luke Keekley. If Leighton Van Der Esch could be consistently healthy, he I don't think he'll play at the same form, right? He's not going to be the same guy that he once was. And let's be real, okay? Leighton Van Der Esch was good for a couple years. Like let's not act like he, you know, was a dominant linebacker for a decade. But if he were to be consistently healthy, and we could guarantee his health, which obviously you can, so it's kind of stupid anyway. But if he was consistently healthy, I would not be opposed to having him alongside Miles Jack. Faster than Damian Wilson, I would probably guess. I don't know that for sure, but just you know, knowing the way he moves, not as much of a thumper, but a good ranging linebacker, sure tackler in the past, would be a horrible, horrible option. Sure, I wouldn't slam them for doing that, but I just think you probably have some better options on the table. And of course, linebacker is not the most hotly contested position when it comes to acquiring talent. But it's also not a very talent-rich position in the free agent market. We're talking about interior linebacker, not not edge or outside linebacker, interior linebacker. In the draft this year, there are a lot of talented off-ball linebackers that I like. So that could yep. be something to watch too. And I think we should get into that next because there are some questions here about that. And then I have a follow-up question for you in regards okay. to that. Where is this? There's a couple in here. Um, Dustin, uh, Deho27 asks if Damian Wilson's going to be the guy besides Miles Jack in 2022. If not, are there any uh, potential replacements? Okay. Um, there's also uh, JagFan98 asks if we see the Jags addressing linebacker non-edge in free agency or the draft. And who do we like in the third or fourth round as well? So there's some linebacker okay. lots going on in there. Yeah. So uh, in the third round, I think you're going to be looking at Damone Clark, mm-hmm. who unfortunately he's from LSU. I think he's going to be more of a outside linebacker that can also line up on the edge a little bit, which can be helpful, but it's not exactly what you're looking for here. Um and, and by the way, I think if you bring back Damian Wilson to be a guy that can compete for the starting job, but you're not guaranteeing him the starting job, I'm okay with that just in case type of guy because he's super cheap. Um, but yeah, I think most of the guys that I really like at linebacker in this draft are going to be gone before then. But I think Quay Walker could do it, but I think he's going to be a second round pick. Chad Muma, I think, is going to be a second round pick. Dean and um, Lloyd are going to be off the board. 
Uh, but there's going to be some guys here. Let me pull up my linebacker list. Channing Tindall could be potentially a guy who'd be there on day yeah, three. He's interesting. I do but, think he's going to be a not a middle linebacker that's calling the plays out for you. Fair enough. Type of guy. Um, my thought process Nick- on that was you, and this is just me, I, I don't see anybody on day three in the third or fourth round, even though the Jaguars would be able to take and pair next to Miles Jack, and this is going to Jack Fan 98. I'm looking at the draft. I think it has to come either early or the Jaguars have to make a move back up into the second round or very early third round if they're going to wait to take a guy like Muma or Walker. Um, I, I Devin Lloyd, obviously, I don't even think comes close to getting there. But if you're going to get one of these fringe guys, Christian Harris, even maybe I could potentially see. But yeah, I think you got to make a move. He's going to be up. early too. Yeah, you got to make a move up for that guy. Late second, now, early third round. I guess. Uh, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. He's a guy that uh, potentially, but of course he blew up the combine and he's gotten a lot of buzz on him. He's ran a four, five, three and jumped 40 inches. So he's probably not day three either. He's probably day two. Um, Otherwise you're probably going to be betting on traits or just betting on a guy that you think has it between the ears I don't think I think you're right. I think you need to get it before day three. Not only that, the linebacker pool was very thin in this draft. There aren't a ton of linebackers. Yeah, just because I mean, you normally only play two linebackers now. <laughs> yeah, with yeah, yeah, this is true. It's just the way it is. This is true. Um, and then you'll have you know a safety dropping down or Your an edge, edge guys, dropping yeah. back. So yeah, um, let's see here. What else do we got? Anthony Brown says he wants us to draft any player that does not play in the SEC because great players exist outside of that conference. They also exist inside that conference. (laughs) More often than not. Sounds like somebody's an ACC fan. Something like that. Should we... uh, Okay, we've got Kai hashtag Fireballky. Should we use Visca in a way like the 49ers use Debo? I mean, they kind of tried to do that last year quite a bit. And I I, I, I do kind of want to talk about Visca. I've been thinking about Visca a lot. He's had one bad season in the last five, and it was when Urban Meyer was his head coach and Sanjay Law was his wide receiver coach. He never had an issue with hands prior to 2021. It's kind of crazy that he just – his real, his only real issue in 2021 that prevented him from having a very good season was dropping the football, but that was never an issue prior to 2021. So I'm confused on what happened, and I do think he should get a chance to show what he can do again in 2022 and potentially earn the right to be like a third receiver on your team down the road. Yeah, Visca, I mean, plain and simple, does not have the same skill set as Debo Samuel. Let's just put it that way. Very few receivers and players, not even receivers, players in the NFL have the skill set of Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, in my mind, is closer to Le'Veon Bell when he was with Pittsburgh than he is to any receiver in the league. With the ball in his hands? With the ball in his hands. and But not even with the ball in his hands. Anywhere. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, was Bell was a great receiver. You could line him up anywhere. He was, Yeah, he was a great receiver. You slap 
number 14 on that man instead of 24 and line him up out wide every single play, he's going to be a great wide receiver. But he had 24 on him, and he played in the backfield, but he could do it all. Debo Samuel is the exact same. So to even think about, not think about, because obviously you want to find a guy like that, but to even think about, hey, can we use Visca like that? No. It just, they just don't have the same skill sets. And, and you talk about Visca and the struggles that he had last year, and it's 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 – it was it was boggling, right? You said he never had issues with hands. This is true. His catch rate went down, obviously last year. The drops went way up, but he still caught more balls than he did in his rookie season. Yeah, and so should we use Visca like the 49ers use Zebo? You can certainly use him in a lot of the same applications. The Jaguars showed you that last year. He's got to correct his hand his issue with his hands bottom line and he's not going to look like Debo doing the things that Debo does but can he do them at like a B level if if Debo's an A plus can chart uh, can can Visca do those things at like a B level probably uh as long as he can get those hands squared away which the most recent sample of what we've seen from Visca suggests his hands are an issue uh here's here's one thing with that it came out of nowhere, right? It did. Given the fact that it came out of nowhere and there was so much going on, it's one of two things. The yips, which if it's the yips, boy, good luck. We've seen, you know, what's happened in instances like that, but I don't think it's the yips because he obviously still had, you know, a, a, he still had more catches and more yards than he does rookie year. Wasn't as efficient, but still got there. I think just everything that was going on last year, I mean, it was a distraction all the way through. How can you focus with what's going on when you don't, when you aren't running the right routes and the spacing isn't right and receivers are running into each other and there's so much, right? I don't think I that you can you. pitch on that yet. You, you got to give him the benefit. Well, maybe not give him the benefit of the doubt, but give him every opportunity and support him and try to get him back to where you thought he could be. Yeah. And, and counterpoint on that, if you do use Visca in a Debo-esque role and you're getting, you know, B grade, C grade production with him in that role. Is that really beneficial to your offense? Are you potentially harming your offense and misusing him trying to replicate that Debo Samuel type production? I think you would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was somewhat effective on the screens last year. They weren't popping off really, but they were getting you three to seven yards quite a lot. Um, But yeah. And obviously, it's not just the screen game. It's giving him the ball, you know, as a runner. And Debo can just do so many things. He's he's incredible, and I'm sick of people trying to chase Debo. Um, but here's another one. Here we'll wrap it up with this one, so we can uh, wrap the show and enjoy some dinner here on a Tuesday night. Calvin Austin, um, he's the Memphis receiver. Are you familiar with him? I haven't seen much of his game at all. Can't really have a have take you watched, either way. Have you watched Tavon Austin? I have watched Tavon Austin. Are they related? No, oh. but he plays exactly like Tavon Austin. So... He has the same height. He has the same um, wingspan, uh, weight. He has the same measurements. He's a little bit more explosive. Um, in terms of that vertical jump, but you know, same forty time. They you watch them in college, very similar production, very similar the way they used. Now, I'm not indicting Calvin Austin by saying that Tavon Austin never should have been a first round pick. If you can get a guy like that, 
if you really value him, I could see it at the end of the third round. But for me personally, I would value him a lot um, early on day three. I don't think he's going to make it that far. I think he's going to be a second or third round pick. We just had Taven Austin on the roster last year, right? Sure did. Okay. And we want to do that again is what I'm hearing. I just don't understand why that skill set is attractive to you any more than trying to find this. I mean, well, no, that just makes sense. Debo obviously is much better. But that skill set at this point it just doesn't really add anything. We saw what happened last year. I think year if they had Austin. rookie Tavon Austin last year, like he's lost a little bit of a step. He's still fast, but like I do think it could provide some something to your offense. But is it going to I mean Tavon Austin provided something. Yeah. Exactly. How much, right? Is it worth No, I'm not I haven't seen Calvin Austin, so I'm not, you know, don't take this for uh, you shouldn't take it for you know the gospel anyway because I'm just a fan, but it, it just seems like again a lateral movement wouldn't really add much a different dynamic to the team. It seems like one of those like things that you see th- those memes where it's like you know one person right like the normal person and then they just like slap a picture next to him with like a mustache on his face and just change the name right <laughs> Tavon Austin Calvin Austin just sounds like we're just gonna take that same player and just slap him over here with a new face and just expect different results. One thing I will say too, though, I think the NFL is more equipped to best utilize a player with that skill set than it was when Tavon Austin was drafted. Mm-hmm. I, I do think Doug Peterson could do some fun stuff with Calvin Austin, but I wouldn't value it any higher than the late third. And for me personally, day three. Could not agree more. Could not agree more because while the NFL, yes, can utilize that skill set much, much better with the way they scheme, and that's starting to actually lessen, in my opinion. Then the the college game, the screen game, the short game is really starting to you know take over the spread. But it that, that's all it is, right? It's just a skill set. It's just a, a gadget, a cog in the system. And once you have you know, the, the, the skeleton of your offense set in stone, you've got all of the guys who you need to structure that offense. That's where you can kind of go in and start adding gadget guys here and there to do specific things. I don't think the Jaguars are there yet and would be wasting draft capital on a gadget guy right now. Well, yeah, especially if you look at the roster as it is now, of course it won't look the same uh, going into, you know, day two or day three of the draft, but yeah, that's all I got on Calvin Austin. And that's all we got for you today, Duval. Uh, I think this was a, a really fun discussion. I really enjoy kind of tackling some of the questions and topics that our listeners uh, posited to us yesterday. Yeah. Thank you for to everybody who, who sent us a question or something to add to the podcast. Um, not only does it get you guys involved, but I love discussing and hearing what other Jags fans are thinking. So I think we'll continue to do this you know, as, as we continue to do the podcast and, um, you know, as always, you guys are always more than welcome to join in on the discussion on Twitter. Always. I think I have my phone on me pretty frequently and I'm more than happy to engage with you guys as, as frequently as possible. So it's fun. It's fun for us. Awesome. Yeah. So follow Jeremy at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo and generation Jaguar at generation Jag and check out gen for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. 
That'll do it, Duval. Enjoy the rest of your week and go Jags. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.